NHL finally throws the book at Tom Wilson while a key member of the Maple Leafs offense is still without a contract. On top of that, we have some injuries, captaincy news, minor signings, waiver claims, and a lot of first impressions. Hope you're enjoying the first week of the new season, and we hope you're ready for our jam-packed episode 140, because it all starts right now. And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. Before we get on to our main topic, we're going to delve into the Hockey Hall of Fame book of trivia. Brett, are you ready for this week's question? Yes. All right, question 29. Here it is. What innovation is attributed to Hall of Famer Fred Waghorn? A. Pro Hockey's first visor rule. B. Dropping the puck at faceoffs. C. Synthetic leg pads for goalies. Or D. Flexible goal pegs that anchor nets to the ice. I have no idea. Um, I'll say the last one. Flexible goal post. Goal pegs that anchor the nets to the ice. That's a yes. very good guess, but it's actually dropping the puck at faceoffs. Okay. I wish I could say I was close, but I literally had no idea. So, um, yeah, honestly, that's a question that I don't think I would have even gotten. I actually okay. I actually have a fun uh, stat for you. Okay. Um, with the baseball playoffs going on, yeah. What what uh, team has the most um, the highest attendance rating for a playoff game? The highest attendance rating on average or in a single playoff game ever? In a single playoff game ever. Team with the highest attendance. Um, hmm, hmm, hmm. Well, Red Sox are your favorite team, so I'm going Red Sox. No, no. Well, so what happened was the Lightning in their first year, they played in the Tropicana field, and they j- happened to play... Um, so they happened to make the playoffs that year, and uh, so they had a game in the Tropicana uh, field um, when they when they announced. So I think it was like something like nineteen thousand people or something in the oh, trop wow. watching a hockey game. Well, that's uh, actually that's actually the average attendance at most Tampa Bay Rays games. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Funny. Um, I, I actually don't know the the exact amount, but I do. I did hear this somewhere else that uh, uh, Tampa Bay, the the Lightning, have the highest um, attendance rating. Anyways, let's uh, <laughs> uh, let's get get onto the show. We have a lot to cover. Uh, so will um, so the so the biggest news story that we didn't really get to cover. Because we were talking about the Western Conference previews all last week, and we couldn't, we could like it was the biggest news story last week in terms of the NHL, and this actually happened on opening day uh, when when the suspension came out. But essentially, well, yeah, what happened? And, and it happened. It happened during the weekend, so like yep. we didn't know to the fullest extent what was going to happen. We just but, knew that he was offered the right to an in-person hearing. Tom Wilson was. Yep. Um, and wait, well, uh, let me that, explain that it first. Like, 
and that and that means five plus games, right? Right, right. Well, first, let me explain what what happened. Uh, so they um, they uh, right. So what happened in a playoff? It was a preseason game against the Blues and the Capitals. Um, I guess I, I was going to think that we're spoiling it, but I guess we're not because you did mention it at the top of the show that Tom Wilson got suspended 20 games, um, bearing the lead there, I guess. And uh, what happened was uh, like Oscar Sundquist was passing um, the puck in the middle of the ice, and I guess Tom Wilson uh, hit him. Like he always does. It was a headshot. It was a direct headshot uh, to him. Uh, I believe Sunquist was on a stretcher. Um, he looked pretty bad. It was probably... It reminded me a ton of the Matt Cook hit um, against uh, Mark Savard. Um, and it, you know, the crazy thing is it's like it was a very similar play to uh, Zach Aston, the, uh, the hit that uh, Wilson had on Zach Aston Reese. And what he also had on Ryan Dumoulin. And, you know, what had happened there was the NHL only suspended them, like, him a couple of games. Um, and clearly he didn't get the message. Um, and then uh, they, uh, so uh, this time they ha- the NHL sent a message, a clear message, uh, that they're giving him 20 games um, for that hit. It's probably the dirtiest hit I think I've ever seen, um, and uh, so so there's that. Uh, the thing, um, so yeah, uh, I yeah, I think I, honestly, I think this should like he should have gotten even more than that, like say half a game because it was the dirtiest hit I've ever seen. But I mean, you mean half a season, right? Yeah. What did I say? You said half a game. Oh, half a season, yes. I mean that. Uh, or four, 41 games, to be exact. Um, but to me, uh, there's just there's no part in that 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 should be acceptable. Um, you know, get that out of the games. And what's crazy to me is all, like, the defenders um, of him that are saying, like, oh, like, like, I knew there was a couple of people who thought, like, this wasn't even going to be suspension-worthy. Um you know, it's just like, you know, Tom Wilson is not going to get suspended and stuff. So I am glad that at least all those people get to shut up now because they're like, yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, and what's crazy, too, is, like, it's a preseason game. What is he even doing trying to, like, headshot? It's just clear that he hasn't even learned at all because that's the point of suspending guys like this. It's, you know, it's like to curve your behavior so if you're not going to learn, like, by suspending him, like, a couple of games in the playoffs, he's not going to, like, he he better learn now. I believe he's also, like, because he has that pay, that salary, um, I think he has to uh, forfeit, a lo- like, the amount of money that he would make in those 20 games uh, to the NHL. Um, so, so I think he's, like, he's, like, he has to forfeit about, like, Something like up to like ten thousand dollars or something like that. I think. Uh, don't correct me on that, or don't quote me on that. But like, a, it's a I lot believe, of money. I believe one point two million is what he's going to okay. have to cough up, and his base salary is one point one million. 
Okay, that's still a lot of money, but yeah, no, you're right. But like, and it oh, should also be mentioned that his contract is suspension proof. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. So he's only going to lose a percentage of his one point one million right. base salary, not his five million dollars signing bonus. Yeah, I was about to say because that or, is like the bonus or, included however. in that. I guess it. I guess it isn't. Um, so. So, so I guess he's still losing like one point one million dollars, but he, I guess he, you know, he's still getting paid a lot. Um, all right, I'll I'll get to the TJ Oshie comments in a second, but let's get, hear your thoughts on it. Okay, first. well, first off, what should be noted, and maybe this is in defense to, well, it's tough to put Tom Wilson in the defender's chair, but. I will say this. A few nights before this play, the Blues played the Capitals for the first time in the preseason. This was their second meeting. And in the first meeting, Robert Bortuzzo hit Michael Kempney. And um, the Caps didn't like that. So maybe, maybe this was retribution. But either way you slice it, it doesn't look good. Because Tom Wilson spent the summer talking with player safety to make sure that he followed the rules and that a situation like this did not occur. And while the Capitals might think that the suspension is garbage, and we'll get to more of their quotes in a bit, let's let's explain why I think this was suspendable. First off, Sunquist is now an injured reserve, so it caused injury. Yep. Secondly, he was taking a shot on goal or making a pass when Wilson blindsides him not expecting to get hit like that at all. He's vulnerable on that play. And finally, if Max Domi got five preseason games for sucker-punching a guy like Ekblad, who did not want to fight in the first place, Wilson should get a bigger suspension because, unlike Max Domi, Tom Wilson has a rap sheet. He was suspended two games for a late hit on September 22, 2017, about a year ago. Not even two weeks after that, suspended four games for boarding. Then he gets suspended three playoff games for that check to the head of Zach Aston Reese. And now another check to the head costs him 20 games. All of this has happened over the past 12 months. Yep. Four suspensions over his last 105 NHL games, according to player safety, by the way, an unprecedented frequency of suspensions. And there have also been a couple of close calls where he wasn't suspended. Right. got a lot of people talking, was that a suspendable play or not? Yep. Either way, Tom Wilson deserved what was coming to him. He has that history. And it, it, it all comes down to avoiding the next Mark Savard incident. Because... That was pretty close know, to Mark Savard According incident. To, uh, to, to what we know, Oscar Sunkvist is not going to face the same long-term consequences of that hit as Mark Savard did with that Matt Cook yep. hit. So the NHL got away with it. They have a chance to send a message before something completely goes awry. And that is why I think this 20-game suspension is absolutely necessary. Yeah, no, I agree. The thing, though, that's that might get into the way of him actually taking the 20 games is that the NHLPA is going to appeal it. And I think the Tom Wilson and the Capitals, they do have a case here. Because 
Although at the same time, it's a little iffy because this is like the first time that, because uh, usually what's taken into account when you suspend a guy is how close how they have their history. And since Wilson has been suspended extremely recently, um, you know, in the playoffs, so like six months ago, um, or I guess four months ago, um, like it, like this has never been thought of before since the Rule 48 thing has been established. Um, so, so there is a chance that they reduce the suspension um, just by appeal, but, um, but it is a, it is crazy to think that, like, I feel like 20 games is apt enough. I would have rather them do like 42 games, as I mentioned before, just cause I feel like it was like an intent to injure. There's like, like Wilson is by far the dirtiest player in the league. And yes, I know Brad Marchand is still in the league, but Tom Wilson is by far the worst uh, player, that's how my, that's how bad I think of of Tom Wilson is that they're not even comparable, um, and and I may be biased for sure, but um, I think like if you really look at it like just from a neutral arbiter, like you can't headshot a guy, um, that should just be out of the game. Um, anyways, I'm getting up <laughs> slightly on a tangent here, um, so. Uh, so maybe there is an appeal here, but anyways, that gets me to this next point. Um, we'll talk about Brad Marchand and what he did um, in the Bruins Sens game, but it, it, uh, it but I, I guess I should preface this beforehand that what happened in the the Capitals and the Bruins played. Um, it was uh, the uh, Lars Eller just scored his seventh goal um, in the uh, of the game. And he was taunting the bench, uh, the Bruins bench. He was taunting everyone. And Brad Marchand went up to him and punched him. I mean, sure, Marchand could have, uh, maybe could have handled it a little bit better. But he was doing it because Lars Eller was being a showboat um, idiot out there. So, and he was doing it for the team. Like, it's just like, you know, like, you know, uh, Lars Eller was kind of like being a prick. Um, and he was mouthing off to all the Bruins players and it's all that stuff. So, uh, so take that into context versus what TJ Oshie just said, cause he was asked about what did he think about the suspension and TJ Oshie says, I think it's unfortunate for Tom that the league is making an example of him. They set the standards. They want to get the dirty stuff out of the game with, I think at least Tom's play was on the ice and he was hitting the guy that had a the puck milliseconds before. And then you see tonight the sucker punches that Lars took in, uh, Lars Eller. So they kind of set the standard. Marshawn has a history, and we trust that they'll do what they are supposed to do and take care of business. Um, I think uh, TJ Oshie, I know TJ, Lars, Tom Wilson, and Oshie are teammates, so it's like, what what is he going to say? Like, Tom Wilson should should have been suspended or whatever, because he has to deal with Tom Wilson on a day-to-day basis. They're, like, t- first off, Tom Wilson has a history. Um, <clears throat> second off, what Marshawn did is completely different than what Tom Wilson did. Tom Wilson attacked an innocent skater on the ice with, like, 
and and it was a direct headshot. I mean, sure, Marsh. It's also interesting, as the Hockey News pointed out, the parallels to the Sunquist hit compared to the Aston reset are very yeah. close. In both cases, the head is yeah. avoidable, but it's still the primary point of contact and, where the hit's made. And, and like, sure, Marshawn probably shouldn't have sucker punched Lars Eller, but Lars Eller was, like, Lars Eller had cause um, in, in getting his face punched in. I don't want to yeah, say... He provoked, the, he provoked yeah. the Bruins, like, in a 7-0 right. game. What do you expect? You exactly. Expect the other team to just sit so, there and take it? So, so to say that, like, this is even at all comparable is ludicrous to TJ Oshie. Um, so uh, that, that annoyed me. Um, and, like, of course, everyone's talking about how Marshawn should be suspended for what he's doing. But we'll talk about that in the Bruins Send segment. Um, because I do have more to say about that. But just it was just ridiculous to even mention that Mar- Marshawn and Tom Wilson in the same sentence. Um, so, like, that was, um, that was annoying. But, yeah, and then, uh, and then I think uh, Devontae Smith-Pelly also said something that, that was pretty interesting, too, because he was in defense of his teammates as well. Um, hold on, let me find it quickly. Um, I guess he just has a dip. Oh, uh, so, because he also said about uh, Marshawn, um, I guess he just has a different rule book. I think it's garbage, honestly. He's talking about how Marshawn is unfairly treated, which is kind of rich coming from uh, from a Washington Capitals player, uh, considering that like Tom Wilson never gets suspended, and Marshawn gets suspended all the time. So, um, so, so there's that. But um, so I, I guess it's not surprising that these Capitals players are defending Tom Wilson, um, and I think there's a couple of like. Um, old school hockey people who are defending Tom Wilson as well, but like it's like I guess you could make a case that Sunquist was keeping his eye on the puck, and that's something that you should never do, I guess. But at the same time, it was like an intent to injure. Um, so that that was um, so that was uh, what angered everyone this week. <laughs> Yeah, keeping your eye on the puck in the middle of a shot or a pass. Yeah, yeah no, no. You should just do a no-look shot and right. be absolutely aware of Tom Wilson at all freaking times. Right, and, and even still. He and just hope he sees you and lays off. Right, right. And even still, it's like, what? Like even if he did keep his eye off, like, off of the puck, it's like, what do you... Like Tom Wilson's still going to hit you in the head. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's a, so that was, that was annoying. Um, yeah, like, like when... Sh- when yeah. Shanahan created the player safety in 2011, he, all, he he put a clear emphasis on targeting repeat offenders. He said, yeah. a player's history over his career, repeated behavior certainly plays a very big role. The guys who do this over and over again have to be dealt with. And he's right. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, and, and, and another part of TJ Oshie's um, a quote that really killed me and I like T.J. Oshie as a as a player, as a person. I'm, he's, he seems like a decent guy. Yeah, but no, I agree too. In this issue, when he says, "I I know he's younger, but he's kind of the big brother out there." Talking about Tom Wilson again, he protects protects guys, <laughs> and he goes on to say he thinks that other teams that have a guy like Ryan Reeves on their team, a pretty big heavyweight, that that basically. Um, 
you know, kind of makes guys think twice, you know, guys don't really right. run around and take advantage of people. And, and that's what Tom Wilson, but Tom Wilson Tom provoked Tom Wilson it. Protects guys then explain the suspensions. And also Tom Wilson provoked it. Like Sunquist wasn't doing anything to provoke yeah, them. No, he didn't provoke anybody. <laughs> yeah. You so, just shooting a damn puck. Yeah. So, so anyways, uh, I guess, I, mean, I I do agree, I think TJ, from his Instagram account and all that stuff, TJ Oshie does seem like a nice play, a uh, nice guy, um, but he has, this is like, He's maybe, just very wrong on this issue. Exactly. And I guess I understand it because he is teammates with him, so he knows him as a person, but at the same time, it's like, like, I don't even know what you would say if you're a teammate and kind of be like, yeah, I guess it's unfortunate not to have him in there. I mean, that would be fine, I guess, but it's still, I don't know, it's, it's a little iffy. Um, like, it, it, if, if, Matt, if Matt Cook and, and, and guys like that are nice guys, you know, that's, that's, that's great. That's, that's all fine and good. But the fact is, if they do something dangerous on the ice, they're going to have to be apprehended, regardless of how good of a person they are. Because you can't set the precedent of, okay, we'll only give you four games. That, like, you gave Tom Wilson, like, a handful of games. How many times has he gotten, how many times has he gotten the message? He hasn't right. gotten the message before all of this. Really, yeah. He didn't get the message when you talked to him in the offseason, when he was willing to talk to you about it. Yeah. And the fir- one of the first preseason games he plays, he goes out and he does that. Yeah, exactly. So, like, if you don't suspend him, you're just setting yourselves up for disaster. Yeah, exactly. And, and I feel and, like... And before Rafi Torres got, like, 40-plus games for, like, a for a questionable hit, he was suspended 20 games. Right. And, he, and, and then and then the next suspension, uh, he, he, he never fully recovers from that. You know, injuries later, his career's over. But yeah. the bottom line is he didn't learn from his 20-game suspension. Okay. He went out, he did another thing, and he got 40-plus games for that. So yeah. the NHL, you know, you hope that Tom Wilson finally gets the message that he's running out of lifelines here. Right. But if, if Tom Wilson doesn't learn from this, I think the Caps really need to look at themselves in the mirror and they need to talk with Tom Wilson and say, you're one hit like this away from having your contract terminated. Because well, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm near my wit's end if I'm the Caps with Tom Wilson, if he keeps so, doing this. Actually, that does bring up a good question because, well, for one... So they they do sign him for uh, you know a long term deal. Um, I'm trying to look at the exact amount they have him for. Um, the oh, I guess he's not even on it's cap friendly. It's for six years, an average annual value of five million, if I remember okay. correctly. Yeah, I remember it was absurd like that. So could yeah. you make a would you make a case that Tom Wilson like that contract encourages encouraged Tom Wilson to be um, like that, like like they gave well, him this contract. The fact that suspension proof. I I can't rule it out, can I? Right, exactly. So I feel like the Capitals are like the bad guy here because they're like they're kind of like encouraging this um, by like giving him a big contract like that. So I feel like the Capitals are at fault at that at the same time, and also um, I I did also enjoy the the. Uh, the funny tweets about like because the Capitals went on to beat the the Bruins seven to nothing, and I did enjoy the like 
the Bruins, the, the Capitals really did miss uh, Tom Wilson here. Um, but uh, it shows how, how much uh, he affected their team. Um, but the, um, what was the other thing I was going to say? Um, but that, you do bring up a good point. So, so he's going to be suspended 20 games. Let's, let's say the appeal doesn't actually work out. The, do you think Tom Wilson's going to learn? Or do you think this is like, um, like that's going to be the big question is when he gets back, is he going to be as effective? Because I guess he can't like head hitting, head hunting is a big part of his game. I know he hits a lot, but he has to change that um, a little bit uh, just to be a hitter. So do you think that's going to change his game? Or do you think we're looking at like, a Rafi Torres type situation. See, here's the thing. The NHL is sending this message here because if there's one thing they don't want more, uh, they want less than, you know, the NHLPA getting on their case and saying you can't spend Tom Wilson 20 plus games. The last thing they want is another guy to add to the concussion lawsuit list against them. Right. Because that's a big, big thing for the NHL right now. Right. If they take if so if they are forced to take a step back or they or they choose to take a step back and, and it gets reduced, whoever is making the final shot needs to realize that concussions and the NHL are not going well together. And they're not going well in football either. So right. if Tom Wilson Honestly, I hope Tom Wilson learns from this. And I'm sure the NHL is hoping he learns from this. Yeah. But I don't know if he will. I honestly don't. Yeah, no, I agree. Just like I was hoping that Matt Cook would learn and that Rafi Torres would learn. And I don't think either of them really learned their lesson. No. And, and they paid the price for it. Like, if you remember Matt Cook a few years before that hit, he was told by the Penguins, hey, look, you've got to change your ways or you're not going to be on this team for much longer. Right. And so, that's – yeah. And that's what ended up happening. So, but like that, that was the thing, though. It's like then he goes to like then he gets traded to the Minnesota Wild, and he's not the same player because he doesn't have that edge kind of thing. So, um, yeah. But, but like again, Tom Matt Cook wasn't to right. readjust your game. Tom Wilson needs to readjust his game yeah. because if he doesn't, he, no one is going to take a chance on him. Absolutely you know, no one. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing, though. It's like. Matt Cook and Rafi Torres, I feel like, are on a different level from Tom Wilson and Brad Marchand. Um, I'm going to, but just because Brad Marchand and Tom Wilson have potential on offense, uh, clearly Brad Marchand does as well. But like Tom Wilson, like he was on the top line for a couple of games uh, last season, and he did pretty well uh, for them. So it's not like he has no like he has no offensive skill which is different than what Matt Cook and Rafi Torres have because they didn't have a ton of offensive skill um so i am curious to see if Tom Wilson can like you know curb that behavior but still have an edge to be like a power forward like a Milan Lucic type yeah. um and that that i don't know if he'll be as effective but I think he could, he could curb his behavior and be um, an NHL player in this league, um, a decent player at least. Um, okay, I think I think we talked enough about that. 
Yeah. Um, we'll talk about Brad Marchand's stuff in the Bruins Send segment, because I have a little bit more to talk about from that. Uh, injuries. Uh, we're starting our rapid fire with injuries, because I guess we, we always do a That's a, like a thing. It's like injuries and rapid fire. Name a better duo. You can't. Um, Seth Jones. Uh, so we, a lot of these stuff we didn't actually mention or happened a week ago, but we didn't mention because we had the Western Conference preview stuff. So, uh, so there's a lot of injuries to get to. The first one we'll talk about is Seth Jones. Uh, it looks like he has a, he has a knee injury right now. Um, according to Roto World, it says that he's day to day, but I did see that he's out at least four to six weeks. Um, so that's, uh, around the timetable, um, about where he's going to be at. I guess this means that, like, Zach Warinsky and, um, I don't know, Zach Warinsky, I think, is the only big defenseman there. He has to take, uh, the blue, like, the, be the guy now in Blue Jackets for the time being. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that's a big loss for them. But at least they're getting it out of the way right now, hopefully. And then we'll see if he, you know, because it's good to get it out the first season. Like, you're going to get injured. I mean, obviously, no one wants to be injured. But if you're going to get injured, I guess it's good to get it out of the way um, at the beginning instead of, like, in the middle or the end. So, um, but I think he'll be back around uh, November. So, um, yeah. It's it's gonna yeah. be it's a big loss though for them for sure. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is a big loss. You know, any guy who can score 15 goals and 50 points in the back end in a season, the injury certainly hurts a lot. Um, like you said, they still have Wierenski to make up some of that void on defense, both on even strength and on the yeah. power play as well. But you look at the situation surrounding Artemi Panarin. We don't know what this team's going to look like heading into 2019. So that offensive boy behind, left behind by Steph Jones might cost him some games or put a bit more added pressure on Bobrovsky to deliver, and down the line, that could cause more strain on this team. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, all right, let's, let's get through these all. So a couple uh, these next two just happened yesterday, um, and by yesterday I mean Saturday. So uh, we don't know a ton of information just yet. They could be... Super serious, or they could be um, not that serious, and we wouldn't be surprised if we see him next week. But uh, Luongo uh, got injured. He left the first period. Um, it looks like it's a knee injury. Um, so according to Roto World, he is out day to day. But um, I think the report is that he's at least out for a week. Um, I mean, I guess that's the opposite from Seth Jones because. Uh, you know, the Panthers have James Reimer, so that's not a bad backup to be taking your place for him um, for the time being. But um, it's still like, you know, he's 41 years old now, or he's he's at least 40, I think. So it, it's, it seems to be a common occurrence. occurrence. Oh, he's 39. Um, so uh, it seems like he's been injured a lot uh, lately, but um, we'll see if it's going to be a... Um, it's going to be a major factor to him or not. Um, I remember during the Panthers preview, we talked about Luongo's health, and that was going to be a big question. Um, so we know it's not a, it's not looking good to uh, to start the season. But 
Yeah, if, yeah. only played uh, in 35 games last year, so um, definitely health is uh, for Luongo is uh, going to be key. And taking a look at what happened, uh, Frank Vitrano uh, fell on his uh, extended knee, fell on top of it, and uh, he was helped off the ice. He didn't go off on his own power. He had to be helped off the ice, um, and he was seen icing his knee after the game. So uh, I guess next by next episode, we'll have a bigger scope of how good or how bad it is. Right. Um, Jonathan Quick, apparently he got injured during practice today on Saturday, um, so we literally don't know um, anything more than that. just that, but it looks like he has a lower body injury. Um, he's another goalie that seems to be injured every other year um, a lot. But uh, So, yeah, if he's out for long, I think the Kings season might be um, in trouble. Uh, before it even starts. Yeah, well, especially when you look at who's behind him. Like, yeah, I, was, I don't, I can't even remember who their backup goalie is off the top of my mind. As, so. I, I'm, well, they play tonight uh, later, to, or I guess Sunday. They, it says Jack Campbell is going to be the goalie starting tonight. Oh yeah, right. But, I forgot they have him. But, but they have a solid, a solid NHL option. Jack Campbell is not. Right, at least right. Not yet, so. Exactly right. Um, but, I mean, it is something, I don't know, he, he was a high draft pick, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, and, um, has not lived up to that hype yet. That's right. Oh, I, I did find it funny, because I remember, like, during the awards, like, the, both Quick and Campbell won a, like, the, uh, Jennings Award or something, which is, like, the best goals. The best goaltending team, yeah. Yeah. But it's like funny because like Campbell only played like twenty games, so it's like it's really just an award for, to give to uh, Jonathan Quick. Um, and I think Kemper also played for the Kings too, if I'm not mistaken, and it was yeah. traded later as well. So. True. Although uh, Kemper's decent actually, but yeah, you're right. Um, mm-hmm. that, that is right. Then I don't know, and they, I think they have a uh, Cal Peterson in their net as well, but. Anyways, yeah. this is a big loss for the, the Kings, but, um, and we'll see. We don't even know how serious it is, but we're going to ballpark saying that it's it's going to be at least a week, but we don't know for sure. Um, okay, uh, quick, another goalie news, but isn't as up to Luongo or quick yet, but uh, Scott Darling it has a lower body injury. Um, he's day-to-day. Um, it seems like he's going to be out a week or two, um, but it seems like, well, so we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but Carolina picked up uh, Curtis McElhaney. He had a decent game last, uh, on a Friday. Um, yeah, it was Friday against Columbus. And then Peter Morazic uh, looked a little bit shaky uh, tonight um, against the Rangers, So, but they still won, so... It um it could be um you know um we'll see how it goes but um yeah it looks like Darling's bounce back season will be put on hold at the moment potential bounce back I should say um but I felt felt like that was worth a mention Tory Krug has an ankle injury it looks like he's out at least two weeks um at least a week um but he's day to day at the moment. Um, so, um, but yeah, that, that might hurt as well. Um, however, Charlie McAvoy is there. So is, um, 
you know, Chara um, in terms of left-handed defensemen. But that's definitely a loss for the Bruins to start off. Um, and uh, but we'll, we'll it's not like too bad because you do have Charlie McAvoy, but it's still um, you know you like to have a guy like Tory Crew on your team when you can. I don't know if you have anything else to say about that. Well, uh, I, I think the power play presence is how it's what's really going to be interesting how they fill that boy because yeah. Tory Crew's probably their top power play go getter on defense. So oh yeah, for sure. Um, but I don't know if it's necessarily like um, that as big, considering McAvoy is pretty good um, yeah, exactly. in that. So, or has the potential to be like that. Uh, Joe Thornton was injured in practice today. It looks like he's undisclosed, has an undisclosed injury. Um, this is also kind of scary because he was injured last year for, I mean, he like he only played half the season. He's pretty old. He's getting pretty old right now, um, and this seems like it's like Joe Thornton's best shot in a long time. And so I hope it's not like super serious where he's out um, the entire year. But um, but I guess it is. It seems to be a a knee injury. I guess um, according to this. Um, so yeah, we'll see how it goes, but. What wasn't uh, wasn't knee injury what uh, forced him to miss uh, the better part of the last season too? Yeah, so it may have come back, but it says like it's a. Um, I'm just reading what Roto World has here. Joe Thornton traveled back to San Jose Saturday to meet with doctors after he experienced swelling in his surgically repaired knee, right knee. Uh, so it was the one that was operated on too. Yeah, so it uh, so maybe he rushed himself back. Um, or he, maybe, or maybe shaving his beard brought him the bad luck. I don't yeah, know. I was about to mention he looks like a little kid now um, without the beard. But yeah, it's um, uh, well, we'll see how it goes. I guess there's, I mean, I guess it makes sense to be cautious with it with him because it's not like they necessarily need him there with it when they have Pavelski and Kachor who can be centers for them and Hurdle. But um, you know, obviously, you want to want to see him in there. Um, as well, I, as, I think it would. I think it would be wise for them if if they just like, like um, you you do like with an with an aging baseball star with a lot of power. Maybe oh. just like give them the day off, like every three or four days or whatever, oh. just minutes or do something. I thought you were suggesting like he should just take like half the year off and. No, uh, like, no, no, no. I'm just saying, like every three or four days, yeah. maybe give him the day off, or like every two, three, four, or every like three or four games, take a day off, or something like that. Yeah, that that sure. could be something. Yeah, that would be interesting. It, it's it's something I think they should consider, especially with that surgically repaired knee. If that becomes a, a common theme, you know, all it takes is you know, right, uh, so much pressure, you know, built over days of working out and all that for one bad thing to happen, and boom, your season's especially over. on this season of all seasons. It's like they yeah, get he Eric Carlson. He comes back, you know, with with one last shot, you know. Um, and, and and to and to have his NHL career end with another significant knee injury like that just wouldn't be right. Right. I mean, having said that, like if it is that bad, then I, I guess it makes sense to to retire. But like at the same time, it's like you got Eric Carlson, and like you've never won a cup yet. It's like it's now or never. So 
Yeah. Um, so it would be unfortunate if uh, if his season is done. But I don't know. Since do, you think, it, do you think regardless of what happens this year, this will be his last? I'd imagine it, so, if, yeah. If this starts to become a recurring problem, I think it will be. Yeah, I, I, I would not be surprised. Uh, JVR, um, it looks to be injured as well um, on his new team. Um, but it looks like it was a knee injury. Um, it appears to be a knee injury as he um, was unable to con- continue. Consider him day-to-day for now as he likely will undergo more testing in the next day or two. Um, this is according to Roto-World. So, um, but, uh, yeah, so we'll see how serious it is, but it, uh, reportedly it's lower body day-to-day. Um, it is kind of weird considering that, like, you know, this is his new team now. Um, and, you know, he, they just got him. But, um, you don't know, maybe it could be something. Um, I, yeah, I don't know if it's not me if you have anything to say about it. Um, let's go on to uh, Andre Cache. It was, this is going back to our preview uh, when we talked about the Ducks. Um, about how, uh, like, like the Ducks just need to be healthy. And so you have to add another guy in here, Andre Cache, um, who got a, who suffered a concussion. It looks like he's out indefinitely with one. Um, so that's like, that's like an added, uh, thing. Uh, he's now along the IR list includes Kessler, Perry, and Patrick Eves. Um, as well as maybe Ryan Getzlaff. It looks like he's also day-to-day. But, um, yeah, so the Ducks' injury problems are not going away. Well, yeah, and you look at uh, – I was taking a look at Roto World today. Uh, the Ducks are absolutely wrecked on the right wing. Perry out five months. Yeah. Patrick Eves, you mentioned, still sideline. Even Kevin Roy is hurt. He was labeled as their fourth-line right winger. Right. So, basically – there's Silverberg on the top line and basically, what, three minor leaguers filling the other three spots? Yeah, I'm looking Until here. Kasha comes back, that's, that's pretty tough. Well, they have Troy Terry, um, Pointus Aberg here. Oh, you mentioned Jacob oh, yeah, Silverberg. Pointus Aberg, I forgot they claimed him off of uh, waivers from Edmonton. Although it looks like he just got waived as well. Um, and oh. Kiefer Sherwood is the fourth line right winger here. But um, this is according to Jelly Faceoff. But um, yeah, <laughs> they have they have some depth issues. But this is where like it truly will come in. The good news though for the Ducks is they have Maxime Comtois, who has like a goal streak now. He has like three goals in two games now. But um, and Silverberg hasn't been that terrible either. But yeah, it's like you know you, when you have like it seems like they have. You're right. They have so many right wingers out. With uh, Kashe and now and Perry and Patrick Eves, who are all right wingers, um, and none of them are healthy yet. So, um, you know, it's one of those things where if like any of those guys are healthy, then um, you know you're looking at a different Ducks team. And, and of course, you know when you look at um, you know their injured offense, that of course puts more strain on John Gibson. Unfortunately, over the past two games, while they have been dramatically outchanced. Uh, Gibson might have been a couple of times, but he hasn't broken yet. In fact, he got a 41-save shutout against uh, a highly touted um, 
should be doing better than last year Arizona Coyotes team and um and in the season debut against San Jose, he also looked good. So yep. if he keeps playing like that, maybe the Ducks can get by after all. But exactly, um, I think we mentioned this last week on our our Blues preview. But um, just in case, Robbie Fabry got injured in the preseason. Um, it looks like he has a groin injury, but it says here that he's he skated on Saturday. Um, yeah. There's no there's no timetable yet for Fabry to return, it says here, but it is a, a step in the right direction in his recovery. Um, so this is a guy who missed the entire of last season, I think due to a knee injury. Um, so it's just unfortunate that he has another injury uh, to deal with now. But um, I don't know, it, it, the Blues are that t- kind of team that like they don't necessarily, because they have a lot of depth now, where they don't necessarily need to rely on Fabry to uh, to be healthy, but um, so they can kind of take it their time with him. But it's still like something you have to be cautious with because you don't want to like uh, rush him onto the ice when he, when he's not ready. Um, and that would be my only concern about having him play right away, uh, considering he just you know he just recovered from another knee like a knee injury. Um, and now, and now this, a groin injury. So, um, we'll see how, um, he, he handles that. Well, especially when you look at, um, the fact that they've given up 10 goals in their first two games and Jake Allen at times hasn't right. really looking that sharp. <laughs> I mean, right. um, you, you want to take your time with Robbie Fabry, but at the same time, you kind of need all the offense you can get if, if yeah. that's what's going to happen the rest of the Well, way. wait, but are you implying that Fabry can s- stop shots? or like... No, no, no. I'm just saying that you know they could use all the offense they can get if they're going to uh, give yeah. up four or five goals a game every night. That's true. That's true. I guess that, that is a good point. I thought you meant like you're implying like that <laughs> like Fabry is going to be playing goals. It doesn't goal. matter if you're, a play, if you're a player or a goalie. If you have a bad knee, you're not doing much. That's true. That's true. Um, and then lastly, I think we also talked about this during the Kings, but whatever. Um, Dustin Brown has a finger injury. It looks like he's out indefinitely. Um, it's kind of it's kind of weird. This is a guy who changed his game. Uh, speaking of guys who changed his games, like he used to be a pretty dirty player, but now it seems like you know he had thirty goals last year um, on the top line. Oh no, he had twenty eight goals last year, which is. Still <laughs> decent. You're close enough to 30, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. 61 points last year. So, um, you know, um, and I'm not sure if he can be sustainable because he's still, like, over 30 years old. But, uh, yeah, it's not a great start to the season if you get injured like that. But it looks like it's a broken finger. It's unclear how long he'll be out. But I guess according, according to what I heard, it, it the fear was he'd be out months. But according to head coach John Stevens, it's weeks, not months. So yeah. there's that. So okay, so you do have a timetable for that. Um, yeah, so that's it for our injury list, our injury update. Um, <laughs> I guess. Um, yes, yeah, I feel like I feel like that's that's like every when during the season we always mention at least one guy gets injured every year. So. Yeah. I do not look forward to that. It's kind of like that thing with the NFL where it's just like key injuries after week five right. or whatever week we're at. Like it's there's always one key player that like oh no, right, he's right. hurt. No, 
great. Right. We often set our like our main topic to the, the key guy who gets injured when we when we don't have anything else to talk about. But yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. In terms of yeah, you know, there's always that one guy. It's like oh my god. Um. All right. So the biggest story that we really can't avoid anymore. We've kind of touched upon it, like when we were talking about the lease in the preview. We talked about it a little bit before. Um, but this William Nylander situation, um, is getting quite contentious right now. Um, the, uh, there's a couple, I guess we can do like a Nylander update. Uh, maybe we should do that until he gets signed, a Nylander update. Um, yeah, so, so still the case that Nylander wants 8 million, the... Which is around where what Dreisaitl got, and I think uh, what Pasternak got, which is kind of like what he's comparing himself to. Which I guess is kind of fair. Um, the only issue with that is the Leafs have to sign Austin Matthews and Mitchell Marner um, next year because they're going to be RFA's, and then you still have John Tavares's eleven million on the books as well. So if you're paying and you can make a case, well, Matthews is definitely better than Nylander, and you can make a case that Marner is also better than Nylander as well. So if you give William Nylander an $8 million contract, Marner and Matthews are going to be like, well, um, we're going to want more than that. Um, and uh, so that's, gonna, that's kind of where... Um, the, the team doesn't necessarily want to give him $8 million because they, they know that they have to sign Matthews and Marner. Um, I believe Nylander is back in Sweden practicing in his own things, um, but uh, Brendan Shanahan had an interesting thing to say. Um, I think this was on, uh, you sent this to me on October 3rd, so this I think this was on Wednesday. Um, if that's right, or Monday, no, this was Monday. Um, so Brendan Shanahan goes, with the challenges of today, you have to figure out what's most important to you. At the end of the day, we see a great example in John Tavares, um, you know, because he signed a, a long-term contract. Um, he could have made more money elsewhere, but it wasn't his job to set a new bar or to please other people with other interests. He wanted to come here and win hockey games and be treated fairly, and he is. And that's what we hope for and expect from our players as we go forward. Um, and then that starts with Nylander. Um, but that, oh, and then uh, and then Shanahan goes on to say, Kyle Dubis, the GM, and I have the same vision for what we want to continue to build here and make it sustainable. So while these things are not easy to do, Kyle and I are on the exact same page in terms of the things we have to do to achieve it. We're working hard towards signing William Nylander. We drafted in William. We're big fans of William. We want William to be part of this, but this is a process he needs to go through. Um, so, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, you know, mixed, like, mixed feelings towards this because I, you know, I'm looking at Nylander's stats. Um, versus, like, Marner and versus Matthews. And I think Marner and Matthews have more impressive stats. But I don't know if, like, 
like, how much, like, if you're paying Nylander, you don't have to worry about the cap. How much do you think that Nylander should be paid? I don't know if he's worth $8 million. Yeah. See, I think there are a lot of teams out there that would be willing to pay William Nylander $8 million per year that could afford that. Carolina being yeah. one team, New Jersey being another team. Um, th- those those are kind of the teams that could afford a William Nylander type of contract. Right. Um, I think $6 million to $7 million range is what I would pay him, kind of similar to what Nikolai Ehlers is getting in Winnipeg. And, yep. and this is a guy who... Um, before he um, got that contract, he got less than 40 points in his first year, got over 60 in his second year, and then had another 60-plus point performance uh, the year after he signed it this past season. So um, that's what I think Nylander is worth, around 6 or $7 million. Because when you look at the William Nylander type of situation right now, the Leafs have got to be careful with how much they sign him for, how many years, how many millions per year that right. they sign him for, because that is probably going to dictate what Matthews and Marner are going to get, like you mentioned. Yeah. And with Tavares already signed for $11 million per year, you know, those contracts start to add up. And you also have Jake Gardner, an unrestricted free agent, at the end of this year. How much money is he going to be worth? And like right. I said in the Eastern Conference preview, you also have Freddie Anderson in a couple of years. You know, if, if he keeps getting better and better, he's probably going to be worth upwards of 6 or $7 million per year. So right. everyone's probably going to want a little bit more as these contract negotiations go forward and as these players right. are going to need new contracts in, in a couple of years. Yeah. So the Hockey News wrote an interesting piece, and and the idea of a bridge deal was being thrown around. Here, here are the dangers of a bridge deal. First off, what if... After signing that bridge deal, the player's value goes up significantly. Like we talk about Nikolai Ehlers and the seven-year deal that he got. He's getting paid over $6 million per year. Nylander is 61 points in each of his past two seasons. There's a little reason to argue he isn't worth a long-term deal right now. But you look at someone like Nikita Kucherov, and, and this is from T- the Hockey News, uh, Jared Clinton. The assumed asking price on a long-term deal at the time for Nikita prior to his short-term agreement was in the $7 million range. And while he settled for far less at roughly $4.8 million per season, he turned that bridge deal into a bank-breaking contract. He's now going to be getting a $9.5 million per year cap for the next eight years after this year. So... After signing Marner, after signing Matthews, the lease might be paying William Nylander eight or nine million dollars if his value skyrockets. If the lease have a big year and he's a big part of that, right? And they go deep into the playoffs, then they have to pay him eight or nine million dollars per year. So that is the danger the Leafs are going to be walking into if they decide to go in a bridge deal. So. I do not envy Kyle Dubas because this is a very tough position for him to be in right now. Oh yeah, for sure. But I mean, like, I I wouldn't like I, w- I wouldn't hate to be in his position at the same time because you know you're dealing with a lot of uh, talented uh, players. But yeah. So I so I just uh, just did the math here. Um, so uh, Marner has 
132 points in 161 games uh, currently, and that's a .819, uh, that's a .182 points per game. Nylander has 135 points in 185 games, and that's .7, that's 70, that's .73 points per game. So that's like a little, like Nylander, so Marner is a little bit better if you just go by points per game. Um, and, but like they both had, last year they both had 61 points, but Nylander did it in 81 games and Marner did it in 77 games. So Marner is like slightly better. Um, I also found while you were talking that Leon Dreisaitl makes, uh, 8.5 million for seven years. Um, so I don't know if he's necessarily up to a Leon Dreisaitl type player, um, per se, but I could see, um, I don't know, but like, it is an interesting thing. Cause I remember, I remember when Jack Eichel was, um, you know, signed that $10 million contract at the time, I don't think he's worth that much money. Yeah. But I don't think he even reached 70 points at that point. Right. But I mean, but you do have to take into account that he was injured for two of those seasons and, and all that stuff. But Jack Eichel could very much be worth that much money um, if he has, like, a good season, you know, a full <laughs> regular season, um, like, you know, like, let's say 80 points in, you know, 80, 82 games or something. Um, so then you would say that he's worth it. So, like, the Buffalo, the Sabres are, are paying him $10 million on just the potential that Eichel can have. And I think that's what Nylander is planning on doing, is that he's betting on himself that he is worth $8 million. He may not be worth it right now, but the uh, the amount of money that he wants to be making and that he will be making, that he's worth $8 million. And that's, um, and that's kind of like a tricky thing, because if you're paying for potential versus paying towards what you actually are, like, Nylander could be screwed if he ends up having a great year and he's signed long-term. He could be making a lot more money. So I see it from both sides of this angle. It's where, like, mm-hmm. the, the Maple Leafs don't want to pay him a ton of money because they have Matthews and Marner, who are better than him at this very moment. But if you think of, like, Nylander, he's thinking, like, okay, if I get paid, like, let's say $6 million and take a pay cut, I, like, you know, and I have a great season for a long term, like, I'm not going to see a pay, I'm not going to see a pay raise in a long time. Mm-hmm. So, so I understand it. And, like, I think that's kind of what Shanahan was subtly getting at, is that, like, John Tavares took a pay cut to be on the, the Maple Leafs, and we, we hope that William Nylander sees it the same way. And yeah, that, but you know, the, the, the difference is John Tavares is making $11 million true. per year. Yeah, that's still not bad. Yeah, but, like, right. what, what, like, sure, I can part ways with, like, $2 million. I'll yeah. still get $11 million in the bank. Neil right. is not even going to get $11 million. Right, but I, I felt like that was, like, a subtle, like, jab at Nylander saying, like, that he's, like, being selfish for for wanting $8 million, where where instead <laughs> it's like, it's like, well, uh, that's not really the truth 
in that in that sense. But like you know, it's like John Tavares took a pay cut to play for the Leafs, and we. You know, like, in Nylander, we like Nylander, we drafted him, we know he's he's a good player, um, we hope to sign him, but, like, you know, John Tavares did it for the team, and it's like, but, but it's just, like, it seems like a subtle way of saying that Nylander isn't doing it for the team um, if he signs for $8 million. Um, which I guess is true, but I can understand why Nylander is waiting, um, to not be paid. I think he has to, like, he can't hold out until, like, November, and then he has to, like, forfeit all the money that he would be making or something like that. Um, but, uh, but I could, I don't know, I feel like, I know it's, like, hardly happens in this league, but I feel like if this drags on, like, for another month, I could see Nylander seriously being traded. Um, I, I, I could see that as well if it gets to the point where he he's putting himself largely before the team because th- this is an interesting quote from John Tavares. Uh, he had an interesting quote on NHL.com. Just keep your energy and focus on the ice. Do, just don't change who you are. You've come to this point for a reason, been very successful f- for a long time, and in a short period of time here in the NHL at such a young age, it's very impressive. I think just keep your focus on doing what you do every day and knowing you're very fortunate to play in the league and have this opportunity. Don't take it for granted. That's just the way I've always approached it. I certainly sense that among the guys in this group, they feel the same way. If Nylander takes this for granted, he's going to be Trey Bay. Yep. For sure. But, yeah, I don't know. I think it's... It is a little, it's like a fascinating topic, and like the same thing is happening in football with Le'Veon Bell and the Steelers, but it's a little bit different because they don't get guaranteed money, um, but like, so, so if like Le'Veon Bell gets injured, you know, he's not going to get the contract that he's owed, um, so, so it's a little, it's even scarier, but like, you know, but like at the same time, like. Le'Veon Bell is losing money by not playing right now, mm-hmm. but he's hoping that with this raise, he can get, like, he's going to make up for it with his new contract, um, whether it's the Steelers or not. So, it, like, this kind of thing, situation is very similar to that, um, and it is, like, it's it's one of those things where I kind of, agree with what the the Leafs and the Steelers are talk, thinking about, but at the same time, I totally understand what Le'Veon Bell and Nylander um, are thinking about, and I feel like it's, 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 it's very fascinating to see how either situation happens. I know this isn't a football podcast, but I felt like, I felt like <laughs> it, it was... It's, it's it was it pertains to big contracts. Yeah. yeah, I felt like it was an apt comparison. Um... Now, now here, here's one more thing before we close on this point. Sure. Casperi Kapanen, Andreas Johnson, you look at all of these young players that are making big strides for the Maple Leafs. Yep. William Nylander makes the Toronto Maple Leafs a better team. Yep. Could they do well without William Nylander? Absolutely. And when you look at the Marner and Matthews contracts that they're going to have to sign, it's all about stockpiling their future. Yep. If they get some future pieces and can still be deadly without William Nylander, I wouldn't put it past Kyle Dubas to trade William Nylander. 
it's not a situation where they have to keep William Nylander. Yeah, they maybe. would love to keep him around. Do they have to if they're forced to? I don't think so. Maybe they could get a defenseman. Um, yeah, if they do that. Yeah, a top four defenseman they've been missing for so long. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I, I I think you have you hit the nail on the head though. It's like they have Marner, they have Matthews, they have Tavares. It's not and they you know, Marlowe's decent, uh uh even Zach Hyman's decent and you know, they have you said as well like Andreas Janssen and Kapanen uh could be good and I didn't even mention uh Nazim Kadri. So like yeah. they don't necessarily need Nylander. Yeah, like I was watching my sins take on the Leafs last night, and they yeah. were a very fast team. They were very tough to keep track on. Right. Nylander wasn't even on the ice. Exactly. So they definitely do not need Nylander, and they, yes, for sure, Nylander is a very good hockey player. Um, But you do make a good point. They don't necessarily need to do it. However, I, I feel like it's, like, such a weird situation, and I feel like it's, like, eventually, like, Nylander's going to cave and sign for $6 million or something like that. Um, <laughs> just cave in. But, um, yeah, no, I think... Um, but, yeah, no, you're totally right in terms of, like... Like, in terms of the forward depth, uh, the Maple Leafs have the luxury of they don't necessarily are in desperate need. It's not like last year where Andreas Athanasiu was holding out and, like, the Detroit Red Wings had no one. So they're like, all right, I guess we kind of have to sign Andreas um, mm-hmm. AA, um, as they call him. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's it's a fascinating issue. And speaking of Kasperi Kapanen, he has a uh, – they're playing the Blackhawks right now. It's 4-3, um, and Kapanen has a goal and an assist. So – um, he may be onto something. If Kapanen can be a, a, a serious player for them, um, they're not going to miss Nylander um, for a while. Although they did lose to the uh, the Senators last uh, on uh, on Saturday, so yeah, uh, <laughs> maybe they do. Surprise! Pretty much everybody. <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's go to let's talk about the captains. Uh, so we did mention Jack Eichel before. Um, I guess. Uh, the the contract uh, goes well with his uh, captaincy. Um, he's the captain. Um, his new nickname is Captain Jack um, Eichel, um, and so so he's the captain of the Sabers. Um, a couple of other captains that we missed: um, Shea Weber. He was she, he's the captain of the Montreal Canadiens now. Um, he this was announced uh, a week ago, but. Um, we should mention that. It is weird, though, considering that he's been injured, so it seems like, um, you know, it's like, you're, oh, your captain's injured for the time being, but uh, Shea Weber's the captain for Montreal. And then Anders Lee is the captain for the Islanders. Just a little bit of a surprise, but I can kind of understand it. Um, I think Anders Lee has been on the team for a long time now, I guess the obvious one would have been Matthew Barzal, but then again, it's like he's... He's um, only been in the league for, like, yeah. a full season. Right, so, uh, yeah, Anders Lee has been on the Islanders for six years, uh, so I can kind of understand it, but it is, it's is—it's a little bit weird where you're like, wait, what, Anders Lee? Um, I, you could make a case for Josh Bailey, I guess, um, 
considering he's been on the team for 10 years. Um, but um, I think Anders Lee makes more sense. Um, but, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you have any um, thoughts on any of these captaincies? Well, uh, the thing with the with Shea Weber, 30th captain in Habs history, first off to be along the list of guys like Bellavone and the Rocky Richard, that's that's an honor in itself. Um, and there was there was chatter on Twitter that's like, oh, make Brendan Gallagher the captain. I think this just buys him a couple of years right. to really get that leadership. I think Gallagher's got some leadership abilities, but you look at what Shea Weber does off the ice. He takes the new players under the wing. Sometimes he's their chef, um, often lending advice to those who need it. Everyone in that room, according to Habs management, thought that Shea Weber was the guy to lead this team. Um, as you mentioned, he is injured, so until December, he's not officially going to be their on-ice captain, but he wants to be involved with the team before that happens. Um, so that was a slam-dunk choice for me. If, if Patches was gone, Weber was going to be the captain there. Um, for Jack Eichel... Um, I'm wondering, is he ready for this kind of responsibility? Like, uh, but um, I, I, I think, you know, he, for, for a guy that is sick of losing, that wants this team to do well, um, I think he just needs to adapt the mentality of being a captain. But I think, I think he's the guy that can set the standard for the Sabres and, and what they can be. So we'll, we'll soon see if he's worthy of the title. Why I'm surprised why Anders Lee is the 15th captain in Islanders history is just because of what this team is going to look like down the road. I mean, you look at Josh Bailey, Cal Clutterbuck, Andrew Ladd. That, that's a good leadership group amongst the assistants. But you look at guys like Jordan Everlay and Anders Lee, they're going to be UFAs after this year. Oh, they neither could be back after this year. So why bestow a leadership role on a guy who – could be walking away at season's end. It, that That's the part that just doesn't get to me. So oh, I didn't even realize that, Anders... That, that's why it caught me off guard. I didn't realize Anders Lee was going to be a UFA next year. That kind of does change things. Um, but so is Jordan Eberle. Um, yeah. The fact that he doesn't get a leadership role at all, he's just there. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the only one that makes sense is Josh Bailey, maybe Johnny Boychuk. Um... Or Nick Letty, but yeah, I I don't know. I feel like it makes sense. Maybe this is like to uh, make Anders Lee stay longer. Um, he's like, oh, maybe, well, you're, maybe, we made you maybe captain. It's a, a trial to see what they have in Anders Lee, but well, true. Well, we'll, but we'll you, see you see already know what you have in Anders Lee. He's been on the team for From six a years. From leadership standpoint, though, uh, what does he? Wasn't he the assistant last year, or am I? Uh, I'm not sure. I, honestly, I've, I've, I, I don't really keep track of who's the assistants on a lot of on a lot of the teams. Like it changes every year, it seems. But yeah, for sure, that's a good point. But um, yeah, we'll see. Um, okay, we have to get going as well. Um, so a couple of waiver news: uh, Carolina picked up uh, Curtis McElhaney. Who was the previously the um, the uh, uh, the lead backup? He was, he was uh, Freddie Anderson's backup in Toronto. Yeah, um, but like he he wasn't that bad last year. 
I was looking at his stats. Uh, he had a 9.34 save percentage and a GA of 2.14, but he only played 18 games. <laughs> he wasn't that terrible. Um, and then, yeah, in fact, amongst goalies with a minimum of 15 games played yeah. last year, according to the point on Twitter, he ranked first in save percentage, third in slot save percentage, and sixth in inner slot save percentage. So for a backup goalie, that's very decent. Exactly. And he played. Um, yeah, and he's uh, and he played last on uh, on Friday. Um, I'm blanking. I think it was Columbus, and he stopped yeah. uh, 31 of 32 shots um, for Carolina. So it's like, uh, <laughs> like I don't know. He could be like pretty good for them. Like I could see him being the starter um, if because it's not like he has a ton of competition. Morazic is shaky. And if Darlene's healthy, it's it could be uh, you know he's been shaky too. So um, you know maybe they have something in McElhaney, but um, it, it is kind of uh, um, you know maybe he is also thirty five years old. But it was a little weird that they waived him, and then it's also weird because Philadelphia um, picks up Calvin Picard, who's another goalie uh, that the Leafs have um, had. Um, he was, you know, he was playing in the AHL, um, but it, it is also weird because, like, Philadelphia now has six goalies in their system. Um, they have Elliott, Neuerwerth, Lyon, Hart, and uh, now, um, oh, Stolars, and now um, Picard. So that's six of them. And two of them, uh, Neuerwerth and, Hart, uh, Neuerwerth and um, Lyon, are both injured. Um, and Hart is, like, the de facto goalie of the future for them. But, like, so maybe this is just a move to get Picard as a as a backup um, and, you know, like, put Stolars and Hart in the AHL for now because they don't necessarily need them to be good right away. But, um, yeah, it's, I don't know, it, it's a strange move to for the uh, Maple Leafs to just wave these two goalies. Although I don't know if when Dubis did that, I don't know if he expected that both Picard and McElhaney would be picked up right away. Um, so I, I'm sure that's frustrating for them, but I guess they're rolling with Garrett Sparks um, as the backup. And he's well, that's, playing- exactly, that's exactly why after the AHL season that he had last year, um, Garrett Sparks appeared to be ready for the NHL. He won a Calder Cup in, in the AHL with the Marlies last year. Um, this is about as close to NHL ready as we're going to see Garrett Sparks. Um, he was getting playing time ahead of Calvin Pickard in the AHL. Yep. McElhaney, just like in Columbus when he was waived and picked up by Toronto, he was waived and picked up for the same reason in Carolina, not because he was bad, it's just that there was a young goalie ahead of them on the depth chart, ready to take over. The um, the team at the time went with the young guy, and uh, the old guy had to be sacrificed as a result. So it's not that McElhaney's a bad goaltender. It's just that there are a lot of young guys ahead of him, and um, management felt that the young guys were ready to come into an NHL role, and, and that's why uh, McElhaney was the sacrificial land there. Now getting back to the Flyers, uh, you, you mentioned uh, their interesting predicament between the pipes here. Um, 
neither Stolarz or Carter Hart can be thrusted into an NHL role just yet. Um, yeah. They need to continue to develop their craft, whether it's in the AHL or whether it's elsewhere in another yeah. league. And you look at Calvin Pickard. This guy has spent, uh, prior to this year, he spent 87 games in the NHL. He posted a goals against average below 2.3 last year in the AHL. So he could be a part of their solution. You look at Stolarz, who was waived. Um, prior to last year, he posted a save percentage over 9.10 in the AHL in 47 and 29 games, respectively. But last year, he played only a total of four games last year, three in the AHL and one in another league. And um, it should be noted that he did spend uh, some time in the NHL, and he did, and he did fairly decent. But Lyon has posted a similar save percentage of 9-10 or better over his past two AHL seasons. And in the playoffs for the Phantoms last year, he posted a 1.98 goals against average and a 9.44 save percentage in 11 playoff games. And then you add on to that another goaltending prospect in Felix Sandstrom, who is playing overseas. Imagine him getting thrusted into the minor league system. At some point, they're going to have to move one or two or three of those goalies. Right. And I think Stolarz, as far as young goalies, he's probably the odd man out. And honestly, I wouldn't rule out a Michael Neuberth trade either because I think he could get some decent value for the Flyers in return. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, I feel like you could trade a, like, Stolarz, Lyon, Neuberth, and get something back. But at this point, I think it's like, it makes, like, considering how shaky Elliot is and you don't want to rush Carter Hart... I think it makes sense to have a lot of goalies like that in your system. And especially considering their history, it's like you get like six of these guys, at least one of them is going to turn out pretty good. And it's most likely going to be Carter Hart. But even he could, you know, like you never know with prospects and stuff. So um, even he could be, um, you know, like not as good as we're hyping them up to be. So... Um, I think it does make sense to have a lot of goalies in your system, especially when you're a team like the Flyers, who have a history of not having great goaltenders um, in their system. So um, I think it, it is a good problem to have. Um, I wouldn't rush to trade any of them, I but I think they're going to have to at this point. Because you're right, it's like you have six goalies in the system, and not all of them can play. In, like not all of them are going to have deployment in the AHL or the NHL. So um, you're going to have to figure out um, what um, I, I would. Assume it's going to have to be like who's going to be the odd man out in these uh, of these six guys. And it's and they're going to have to choose wisely because you look at what the Sens did with yep. uh, Bishop, Anderson, and Leonard. They traded Bishop, and uh, look how that's turned out. Right, exactly. Or I was thinking uh, the, the Maple Leafs traded uh, Tuka Rask for Andrew Raycroft. And oh, they, yeah, right. And, and they also movie. had um, Poka, I think was his name, um, also in their system. And both Raycroft, well, Raycroft fell off of the face of the earth. Yeah, and, Justin Pogi. Yeah, that's that's, that's oh, yeah, the guy I was talking about. They they uh, they traded Rass thinking that Pogi was going to be the guy, and he wasn't. Exactly. So, I, exactly. So, for those two reasons that you mentioned, I feel like I wouldn't necessarily rush any of these things. But 
Um, I think it's 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 going to be like a hard situation because you're going to have to trade one of these guys eventually. Um, but it is a good uh, th- uh, thing to have. Also, I know uh, the Flyers also have like Soderstrom, I think, in the KHL. Oh, no, no, uh, Sandstrom in the KHL. So. Sandstrom, who I just mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah playing so, overseas. So, Oh, yeah, you did mention that. But uh, so they uh, so they, they have uh, like seven goalies in their system. Um, in a way. Okay, so let's let's go to the Bruins Sens segment. Um, I think I think I'll give you the floor because you have something exciting to talk about. So um, so you'll you'll start, um, and then I'll talk about the Bruins later on. Okay, so before my favorite organization made a very nice ceremonial tribute to Jonathan Petra, the butterfly child who unfortunately got passed away. Uh, before the end of the year last year, someone had the genius idea to drop beach balls onto the crowd, and the end result was, not surprisingly, injured kids and spilled adult beverages, which is another word for saying beers. I repeat, giant balls falling from the sky. Are you freaking kidding me? You have people getting whacked left and right by dozens of beach balls, and honestly, it's so ridiculous that it must be the Ottawa Senators doing because they just can't catch a break. No matter right. where you turn, it's just like, okay, what did my team do now? Oh, great. Fantastic. So, yeah, that that was eventful. Right off the bat, off to a great start. Uh, getting to actual game action, the Sens were leading Chicago 3-2 after 20 minutes. They were holding the Ford in the second. The score remained 3-2 after 40 and then Brent Seabrook ties it up in the third. Kane does what Kane does in overtime, and Ottawa gets a single point out of that. But still, a point is a point. I guess I can't be too mad considering the state of my team and how bad we're supposed to be. So there, there, there are plenty of good things to know in this game. We'll get to them later. In the second game against Toronto last night, we mentioned that the Sens won, shockingly enough. Um... They were in Toronto. They end up scoring first. It was one nothing after 20. Early stage of the second, the Buds scored two goals in less than a minute. They're up 2-1. to one. This is around the time where a series of mistakes normally would put, this, would, would put the game out of reach for Ottawa. But instead, they scored two goals in what seemed like less than a minute, and the Sens are up 3-2 all of a sudden. No big deal. Leafs are going to tie it, which they did. Um, you know, it was great. It was fun while it lasted. And then Ottawa takes a 4-3 to three lead. Oh, interesting. Three minutes to play. They're still up 4-3. Leafs pull Anderson. Okay. They're, surely they're going to score here. But they didn't. I thought the Sens were done at that point, but they surprised me. They hang on for dear life. Stone gets an empty netter, and all of a sudden, the team that's supposed to be probably dead last in the league just beats a frontrunner for the Stanley Cup in game two of the regular season. And in both of these games, Ottawa was outshot significantly. In fact, they were outchanced in shot attempts 80-40 to 40 by the Leafs on this night. Um, they gave up near 40 shots in both games against Chicago and Toronto. But like the pesky sense of old... Whenever this team has faced adversity over the over the first two games, they've seemed to respond. And as a fan, I want to see more of that. Yep. I want to see my team competing. 
I want to see him hanging around. And um, it, it definitely gives me hope. Yep. Now, there are a couple of young defensemen that really caught my attention. Max Lejoie in the Chicago game looked absolutely solid. In the first period, he gets his first NHL goal to tie the game at two. Fuchsia Slater on the power play sets up Colin White's first of the season for a second point. That was his first career NHL assist. And in the second period, he sets up Bodker. Ward makes a solid save. Could have had a three-point night. And after the game, I listened to the post-game show on the radio, and they were talking about Max Lejoie before his big game. And it turns out the record for most points by a Sens rookie in his NHL debut was by some guy named Alexander Day. He got two. Max equaled that. And the story goes, when Max was drafted, there was a guy that told the Senators or, and, and a few of our media guys to watch out for Maxime Lejoie. He was an offensive defenseman that played for a team that finished dead last in the CHL, which is comprised of 60 teams spread across the Ontario Hockey League, the Quebec Major Junior League, and the WHL, the Western Hockey League. That team that Max Lejoie played for barely touched the puck for 40 to 60 minutes of a given game. And this guy was playing well despite all of that. And naturally, this is the this is the kicker here. He was picked in the same spot that Alfie was picked in his draft year. So obviously we're going to be expecting big things from him moving forward. And speaking of uh, players we expect big things from, how about Thomas frickin' Shabbat right here? After two games, leads the team with four points. In the Toronto game, he scored two goals on five shots. Also added an assist, finished the night a plus four. And in a tie game in the third, he makes a move where he puts the puck between the legs of a Maple Leaf defender, gets past the stick check of Travis Dermott, somehow finds a hole in Anderson's upper body to finish the job. And I know he's not at Eric Carlson level just yet, but we're starting to see the potential that this kid has if he's getting top line minutes. And I will admit that Ottawa's young defense still scares me, but... If these two games have given me anything, it's just a little bit of hope. A little yep. bit of hope that maybe, just maybe, this year isn't going to be as bad as I think it's going to be. And, I, and to come out with an above 500 record yep. in these two games, I will happily take that. So taking a look at uh, their schedule, um, they go up against your Bruins. Hey, yep. Thanksgiving uh, Monday afternoon here in Canada. Columbus then, Day uh, they here. start a five-game homestand against Philly on Wednesday. And then they host the Kings for a Saturday afternoon till to next Saturday, so that should be interesting. I, yeah, I will. That was a good. Uh, that was a good synopsis of the week. Um, I will say that the Thomas Shabbat goal that he had, the game-winning goal, uh, that was a beauty. <laughs> he like <laughs> it was like between the legs of the Leafs defenseman. It was just. It was unreal. It reminded me a little bit of uh, another former defenseman that sh- shall not be named on Ottawa, um, <laughs> of Ottawa's past. But, um, but yeah, it, it's just, uh, it, like, yeah, I remember, like, in the World Juniors, it was, like, it was McAvoy and Shabbat, um, and then um, it seems like, you know, it seems like this is going to be, like, if, if Shabbat can keep it up, it's, like, it's going to be pretty scary. Um, or not, like, scary, but, like, you know, you're, you're looking at, like, a... A big time replacement for Eric Carlson, 
Um, yeah, but of course, the, the logic of every Sens fan is like, now just imagine how lethal he would have been uh, if Eric Carlson was. Still oh, here. I thought you, I thought you were gonna say next time he's gonna he's gonna want more money and Melnick's gonna have enough of him. But yeah, no. uh, uh, thankfully we won't have to worry about that for seven more years because I, I don't think he's gonna want Eric Carlson type of money for a while. So. Um, well, I mean, I mean, who doesn't want Eric Carlson type of money? But yeah, no, I, know, I know what you mean. Um, he's, he's not going to be at that stage where he's going to be asking for ten million a year, right, unless he unless he turns into Jack Eichel overnight. But <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. But I don't know. He he was pretty impressive. So I'm um, I'm glad that I have yeah. him in one of my leagues at least. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's go to the Bruins game. Um, it wasn't as exciting. Hopefully, this isn't the you know. Wouldn't it be crazy if, like, the Bruins were the, like, finish off, like, worse than the, the Senators be, do? Oh, man. Uh, if, imagine it could the happen. Bruins have, are, are, are the team in the... Uh, but if, if they do terribly and they get Jack Hughes, that's not all bad, right? Yeah, no, it wouldn't, but it would just be disappointing. Uh, yeah, it would. Um, I mean, at least we have our first round pick. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll like, always have that. I, I, I wish I could come back with an argument, I but I can't. I'll, I, I, you're going to look forward to all those comebacks every week. I'm oh, going to remind just, you. Just leaks, not Colorado. Just a it's reminder, good. the Sens do not have their first round pick. Um, yeah, and Colorado has it. And <laughs> if, if Ottawa finishes as bad as I think they're going to be, it'll probably be a lottery pick. So. Um, At least Colorado that wins. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyways, uh, I guess I should talk about this, uh, Washington Capitals game. Um, TJ Oshie scores within the first minute, um, and then Kuznetsov scores on a power play in two minutes, um, and Rask gets, uh, taken out almost immediately. Um, he only had, um, he only saw two, uh, he only let in two goals, he saved, uh, oh no, he, he, sorry, he, uh, I was looking at Halleck's, uh, sheet here. He, he gave up five goals and had, uh, 14 saves on nine, that's 19 shots if you add them all together. GAA sits at 11.11 right now. Yeah, it's not, it's not pretty. No. Um, and, uh, I mean, I could, t- I could tell you who scored on, on the Capitals here. TJ Oshie, Kuznetsov, um, and then in the second period you have Ovechkin, because of course he does, Nick Dowd, uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov, um, so that's when Rask gets taken out. Then John Carlson scores as well in the second period, and then in the third period is Lars Eller, and we did mention this at the start of the show, but Lars Eller was then showboating, um, he was like... Uh, he was like flaunting his wrist. He was like he was shouting at the at the Bruins bench. Um, if you guys remember, Lars Eller was also a former Montreal Canadian, uh, so I'm sure that like had some a little bit to do with um, why Marshawn felt like he uh, um, he was taking shots at at the Bruins. Um, I did I did kind of find it, and then of course uh, Br- uh, Brad Marshawn starts punching him in the face because um, Lars Eller was shouting at his mouth at a, need I remind you, it was 7 to nothing first game of the season, I think. I can understand it if it's a game-winning goal. I'm not, I, I'm not being like a sore loser or anything. I can understand it if it's 
Um, if it's a game-winning goal, if it's a playoff game, I can totally understand celebrating things. I'm, that's not what I'm saying, that you can't celebrate anything. But it's 7 nothing. It's the first game back, and you're taunting the Bruins. It's like, what the hell? And it's just, uh, so, like, I do not, I Are you also... Are they were running up the score, or just a celebration alone? Yeah, well, both. It's just, it's, well, it's not the running up the score, it's more just the celebration. It's like, it's like celebrating a touchdown when you're losing, like, by 14 points. It's just like, it's just weird. It's just like... Like, what are you doing? Or, or like you Matt know? Duchesne celebrating yeah. his 30th goal and Patrick Waugh calls him out for it. At the exactly. End. And so so that, so that I do want to reiterate, I do not condone Brad Marchand uh, for sucker punching him. But at the same time, I can't say that Lars Eller was like an innocent victim here. Um, and that's, that's kind of what annoyed me by all of this whenever anyone was talking about him for the rest of the time. It's like, you know, like, Brad Marchand should be suspended like Tom Wilson. He, like, you know, like, Lars Eller wasn't ready for it. Lars Eller knew what he was doing. It's like, you know, he's taunting. He was taunting. If anything, Brad Marchand was doing the, like, showed more passion, more heart than anyone on the Bruins that night. And, you know, like, it's like, what do you want the Bruins to be doing? Just sit there and, like, take what Lars Eller is doing? It's like... Like no, like you should have to fight back. That's that's like how hockey works. So Zeller should know yeah. that you know if he does that, that someone's gonna provoke him yeah. about it and just like call him out. He's just like, yeah, you, you see, you seem pretty tough now. You want to go? You yeah. want to drop the gloves? And then and then that's what Brad Marchand basically said. He's like, you yeah, know, it's like seven nothing game. I I felt like he was disrespecting us. And I decided to punch him. And they're like, the, 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 so, they, they, so to speak, they poked the bear. Yeah, exactly. And like, and two, uh, and uh, two things I have to say about this because I did see some Twitter replies on this. One is like, if you if you don't like it being seven to nothing, don't let them score seven goals. It's like, yeah. that's, that, that, first off, that's like the stupidest point ever. I don't even understand it. It's like. Yeah, of course you don't want it to be seven nothing, but that's why yeah, you shouldn't be like celebrating it being seven nothing. Just like Cam Newton celebrating a touchdown, he's like, if yeah. you don't like me, do that. Don't let me into your end zone. Yeah, but like, but at the same time, it's like, I, I, I still don't understand that logic though, because it's like, yeah, it was out of hand, but then that's like, then why are you even celebrating it because it's out of hand like that? It's just so, so that I don't understand. Um, and then the other thing that I thought was really funny was the, how, like, people were saying that he should be suspended for this when it's, like, um, when he was, Brad Marchand was doing it for the team, where it's, like, in the past, it's, like, all his other things, it's, like, he's just being a selfish prick um, yeah. and get an edge. But this time, he was actually had a serious cause. He was, like, a vigilante on the ice. And, you know, he felt like he was being dis his team was being disrespected. It wasn't that he felt that he was being disrespected. There's a difference. It's he felt that his team was being disrespected. So he decided to punch the person. So that's, like, the different thing. And the other thing that I thought was hilarious is they're saying that Lars Eller is not a fighter. And it's just like, well, yeah, neither is Brad Marchand. So yeah. <laughs> it's like... It, how many times have like, you seen Marchand fight in his yeah, career? It's like, do you know how tall he is? It's like, uh, it's like... And, and also, like, 
Lars Eller is like seven feet tall. Marshawn is pretty short himself, so I don't, I do not think Marshawn is like, like this big bad bully. It's like Lars Eller can handle himself. It's not like Marshawn's like this bully who's like, I mean, I, I guess you could, you could make a case that he is a bully sometimes, but I, I think maybe that's why people were arguing. You know why yeah. Brad Marshawn like dropping the gloves? He's just like, oh, when you do something stupid, you don't yeah. answer the bell. It's like, it's, it's like now, now yeah. of course Lars Oh, you pick a fight with him. Yeah, I know. It's, and it was also less like, it's like you're. It, it, it just, it, I feel like if this was anyone else, this would not be mentioned at all. Um, it's well, just the fact that it's Brad Marchand. I don't think it'd be mentioned as heavily, for sure. Yeah, and it, it's just like, it, it's, it seems like like people have like these goggles on that they're like, oh, it's because Marshawn is getting into it, it means that he's doing something bad. And usually you're right. Like, I, I can, like, I, I am... Uh, sometimes I'm like, dude, what what are you doing to Brad Marchand? But this time I'm just like, are you guys serious? Like, this was like, you know, like he had a cause. It wasn't like, it, Lars Eller was being an idiot. Um, like, comparing this to Tom Wilson's hit, uh, like, gets yeah, me to another point. Which I've already, you know, I've already talked about. So that, just the whole, like, it, it, it frustrated me that, like, like anyone like who wasn't a Bruins fan saw it a different way. So I'm glad that you at least understand what I'm, uh, what I'm talking about, but that was, that was annoying. Um, all right. Anyways, the end of rant. Um, I'm glad I got that through. Um, and then the next day, uh, they played the Sabres. Um, it seems like, uh, Brad Marchand, um, kind of sparked a plug on them. Um, Brian, uh, Chara, Donato, Pasternak, and Bergeron all scored. And guess who got assists in all four of those goals? That'd be Brad Marchand. Exactly. So um, there is something to that. Maybe there was a spark plug as well. Um, Yaroslav Halak got a shutout. He had 32 saves um, as well. Um, but uh, So that's also going to start like a Rasper's Halak debate. But... Um, I, I don't know. I think it's it's one of those things that I, I'm still cautious with Halak. I don't know how consistent he can be. This was good, like a good showing from him, um, especially since he played a little bit more than he was expected to on the first night. Um, but, you know, Tukarask is definitely the starter. It shouldn't even be a question. Um, and it's, it should be a good thing if you have a back a good backup goalie Especially in this new NHL, it's like very valuable to have a good goalie, backup goalie. Um, so, um, so I am glad that uh, like he can at least do something. Um, I I was just worried that he was he's not going to be as good. Um, What's also noteworthy is that Tuka started off slow last year. Frederick yeah. Anderson started off slow last year. He started off slow again this year. Right. And look where Rask and Anderson ended up. Both of them finished with pretty darn good numbers. That's so true, yeah. So I, I'm not worried about Rask just yet, but I do know like Michael Felger is definitely like perking his ears a little bit. Oh, yeah. He, he's you just know, like, he is. oh, awesome. I need show bit material. Yeah, exactly. So, um so I, I know that's going to happen anytime. Um, you know the Budweiser goal horns that they have? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, 
I bet you Mike Fowler has it set to every time Tuca has a bad night, it just goes off nonstop. Probably, yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, but, uh, so, uh, so yeah, that's the Bruins uh, this week. So it was, like, good and the bad. We got shut out, and then we shut out another team. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. It's still, like, two games, so I don't know if you can take too much out of it. But um, hopefully that Marshawn, what Marshawn did was like a spark plug that can keep the energy going throughout the season. Um, the So, yeah, we did mention that uh, the Bruins play the Senators tomorrow, or I guess when you're listening to this uh, today, um, at 1 p.m. for Columbus Day slash Canadian Thanksgiving Day. Um, then they play Edmonton on Thursday and Detroit on Saturday. Um, all three are home games, but um, yeah, so um, we'll see how uh, those three games go. But that's like a fairly easy the, schedule. The Bruins Sens game is the home is their home opener, isn't it? It is, yes. Oh, there you go. Um, exactly. So, but it's at like one p.m., which is a little strange, but. Um, yeah, uh, maybe maybe the reason is because they figured the Red Sox would be in the playoffs, and they're just like, yeah, we probably shouldn't schedule at night because we all know what people are going to be watching then. Possibly, although I mean, I think it's because they play. It's like it's Columbus Day on Monday. Yeah. So and and usually on Stat Holidays they have an afternoon game in Boston if it's a home game too. Yeah, that's true too. Well, that's like the day after Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving. So maybe I don't know. Um, but yeah, I know you're right. Um, yeah, and also, I guess the Red Sox do play on Monday as well, so, I don't know. Um, I'm sure that had something to do with it. Uh, I believe that's it for, uh, we, for now. We, uh, we do have a couple of short notes, though. Oh, social um, media, too. It looks like Seattle is one step closer to, uh, getting an NHL expansion team. Yep. It just comes down to a board of governors vote, and that will take place in December. Yep, in 2022 would be the earliest date, it seems like. But it's not official and yet. That, and I think that could also impact on whether or not Seattle gets an NBA team. If they do, when they will get it. Uh, from what I've heard, um, uh, 2025 at the earliest is what the NBA would consider um, a return to Seattle, if a return to Seattle happens. And another, uh, another piece of news that I wanted to mention with you, Lane... Matejchuk of the Humboldt Broncos, one of the few players still recovering in hospital. Uh, good news, he has been released from hospital. Um, the 18-year-old is still working to regain mobility on the right side of his body, but his speech is improving every day, according to Global News. So reassuring news for him and his family. We wish them all the best as he continues his recovery. Yes, uh, same here. I guess same condolences. Um yeah, uh, I think that's about that. About does it for yep. us. Um, our social media is Lace Up Podcast. I hope you enjoy this an hour forty minute podcast. <laughs> um, uh, our Twitter is Lace Em Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Em Up. Um, you're probably listening to this on SoundCloud. Um, it's also automatically on iTunes. So subscribe there if you have the chance. Or if you're not already, and same for SoundCloud. I think you can follow us on SoundCloud as well. Um, yeah, and I think that's about it. Um, I'm, I'm excited that hockey is back. I can't get enough of it. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm Brett Dubuff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 141 of the Lace Em Up podcast. Hopefully not as long. <laughs>